Welcome to Recipe Club, the podcast where we debate the best way to cook the things you want to eat. My name is Chris Ying. I am the co-host of this podcast along with David Chang. And uh, none of that really matters this week because we have an even more important, even more special person joining us. We are graced with the presence of none other than Chef Wiley Dufresne. Hi, Wiley. Hey, guys. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> always, always, always a highlight to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, man, Wiley, I feel like for a while there, we had a good little rhythm of getting you on the DC show, roping you into Recipe Club, but it's been it's been a hot, a hot minute, I think. Yeah, I mean, you must have found a new muse, but that's fair. I'm used to oh, that. Yeah. It's okay. Put it on, put it on us, and not the guy who's uh, opened a restaurant in the uh, in the in the interim here. Uh, I can't help it. Another bad decision, but what can I say? <laughs> can't help but notice you're in whites. Where are we talking to you? Uh, I uh, I am across the street, actually, from the restaurant. I have a friend who has an office over here that's real quiet, so I got a room. Where I wouldn't be distracted, and I'm just sitting here at uh, in a conference room. Nothing, nowhere particularly fancy. You guys both have your beds in the background. If I had known, I would have planned to have a bed. But. I'm I'm in a hotel in D.C. I don't know where Chris is at. Is Peter Tear? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just in one of my lofts. I, I, you know what, guys? Honestly, I don't even know which one I'm at right now. <laughs> uh wiley i i'm gonna be just selfishly before for any for any listeners out there who are like i only want to hear about the cooking and i only want to know about the food well shut up for a second because we haven't had a chance to catch up with wiley for a minute uh you that's me <laughs> uh, that's uh, that's my course <laughs> just getting in the comment section constantly under alias is being like enough with the banter already talk about the food uh no how you been man i we I, we we uh we had to reschedule by by not you know no no worries but uh you you did text me to say the walls were closing in a little bit what have you been everything going all right you you've been you've been super busy uh yeah no things are things are going great stretch is is humming along we're super excited um you know we're now open seven days lunch and dinner and you know getting ready to to launch a bunch of new menu items and and yeah it was just the week sort of got ahead of me last week, so I appreciate the the flexibility on your part. But things are good. Things are good. Yeah, give us a uh, for for those of us unfortunate enough not to have been to New York in the last six or seven months. Uh, mind breaking off us a little, breaking us off a little taste of what you've been up to at Stretch. Yeah, I mean we we've we're we're pretty excited about our pizza. We've. We've, we've been working on our dough quite a bit, so that's fun. You know, we're up to a five-day fermentation on our pizza dough. We've got uh, Sicilian squares in the mix now. Uh, we're going we're digging deep into a, some calzone programming that that we're excited about. Um, you know, calzone and, programming. Uh, I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're gonna give Hot Pocket a run for its money. You know what I mean? Like, come on. It's it's like wild because I remember you know when deep 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 in quarantine pandemic we were all on here talking about butterscotch pudding and and how we were managing and raising our kids and all of this stuff and you were just sort of recreationally as recreationally as you can possibly be making pizza like it's it's sort of wild it's wild to 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 me is it wild to you to be having a pizza shop right now and chang do you believe whatever he's about to say <laughs> that he wasn't intentional <laughs> No, it really wasn't intentional. That's a hundred percent true. Um, and I, I'm having a lot of fun. I mean, as as I say, it's nice to own a restaurant that people can come to once a week as opposed to once a year. Um, that's a that's a super super cool thing, and it's fun. And we, you know, we've had people come that were old WD regulars. We've had people come that just discovered us. You know, it's it's been nice to to talk to customers again and be able to walk around and say hi to folks and just you know, I mean, not to sound like cute and trite, but I miss the hospitality of it. I miss the interaction with the folks. I miss, I love being, I like, I like being in restaurants. I love being in restaurants. It's a lot of fun for some of us. Uh, and so <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, I enjoy it. I really and truly do, um, you know, and, and uh, I got a couple of, of guys that were with me at the donut shop and they're, so that's cool that I've got some 
some old faces, and then we've got a whole bunch of new faces, and 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 that's it's been great. You know, it's been great. I really, I'm not saying that because I have to. I, no, I totally believe WD. Right, like he would. We need him in the game, and I'm happy that he's back in the game, and I'm excited. I haven't been in New York in a while, so I'm excited next time I'm there to certainly check it out. I'm excited to order things and not get what I ordered because Wiley won't give me what I ordered. <laughs> it's going to be mac and cheese, buddy, because I'm sticking up for your son. Mac and cheese. Come I know. On. Come I know. On. I'm going to get a degustation of mac and cheese when I come in to eat. I got his back to the bitter end on that one, man. I stand with the man in the oh, arena. Yeah. Dave, yeah. So for, for those of you listening, Dave recently, uh, shared some a vulnerable moment that one of his sons is uh <laughs> one of his sons yeah. is is you know has brought, home a, salmon brought, brought home a, a partner that dave was not expecting so to be in such a committed relationship with but box mac and cheese you know what i mean and dave was a little had a little disapproving yeah, dad a, moment <laughs> no I'm, I'm just tired of it i mean i've probably cooked 500 boxes this year and we're not even halfway through the year yet I mean, it seems like it's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, but Wiley, you're, you stand the, the. Think of all the box tops you can bring to school, Dave. Come on. <laughs> uh, well, we've got we're we're gonna do more catching up as we as we uh, truck along here. But we roped Wiley in for another episode. Uh, for longtime fans, you'll remember <laughs> Wiley completely turning the Jello salad game upside down for July fourth last season. Uh, we we brought Wiley back with the specific uh, theme of the holidays. Now, some scheduling schedule juggling on our side has uh, meant that we are putting this holiday themed episode out in October. But we are we are we're just getting ahead of the game. We're just trying to. Listen, Yang, we're about two weeks away from every magazine doing some beach bullshit turkey on their yeah, cover. Yeah, all, all I'm saying is, like, if you're one of those people who are like, look at this, the f- goddamn Christmas decorations are out, it's not even Halloween yet. Well, that's going to be us, too. We're, we're trotting them all out here. But can, can, can I add one thing, Chris? And it's funny that you don't bring it up. The real winner of last year uh, of uh, – fuck it, I'm not even going to say it. I don't even know what I was going to fucking say. <laughs> 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 Uh, excellent point i was just gonna say well, Thank you. Well, Thank you. well well spoken chig i i uh, concede that point to you um <laughs> but we here on the show generally speaking on a a normal and i don't i don't want any of the wedgies listening to feel that i'm i'm uh uh betraying them here but on a normal unspecial episode the way we usually play the game here on recipe club is we get a Listener submitted recipe around a theme. The three of us do a variation on that recipe, and then we talk about it. This is how we play our, our recipe club game. You get to force some of America's best chefs and, and and goofiest idiots like me to do crazy things with your recipes. But because we had Wiley, and because Wiley's recipes are incredible, we force him to do the extra work of giving us one of his personal recipes that. Well, you tell me, Wiley, is this the sort of thing that you so, – so you gave us a recipe this week for Parisian gnocchi. Is this a legitimate Correct. Wiley Dufresne household holiday gathering dish that you would serve? It is. It is. Um, it's a, it's a, a fan favorite amongst the – you know, all ages. It's pretty – for me, it's super fun to make. Um, for you, Chris, it's particularly easy to make. So <laughs> – um, it's not, it's not, it's not too, too challenging. I mean, it, it, it would be one of several things that would, would end up on the table in a meal and it, it can go, I think there's a lot of different directions you can go. Um, I mean, you said holiday, I presumed you meant, you know, the, obviously the winter holidays and it can be garnished with sauteed mushrooms and, you know, any number of other things. It can have a heavy cheese sauce. It can be all sorts of stuff. We're working on, uh, a cacio e pepe version of it at the restaurant right now. That's a lot of fun. Um, but it's, I've always, I mean, I, I, you know, is gnocchi pasta. I don't know. I don't know what we want to call it, but I've always enjoyed it as a, as, as, a, as, as an ingredient, as a preparation, as a process. Cause I think it's a cool thing that you take ostensibly, you know, pot of shoe or you take something that's an eclair and you turn it into 
into uh, a savory savory dish and i think that that's kind of cool yeah so for so for those who are unfamiliar you a, a per, what separates a parisian gnocchi and i'd be curious if either of you know i, I was struggling to find how the gnocchi made its way to paris but <laughs> rather than a, a potato based dough it's a choux pastry that you are boiling and then pan frying basically you're 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 making a choux pastry with butter and milk and flour and then fortifying with eggs and cheese and then usually herb right there's usually some sort of herb mixed into this this dough that you then boil and pan fry it's funny because incidentally i think completely unrelated to this dave you had been working on some Parisian yoki in, in the studio kitchen. Like what is your experience with this? It's the same thing. Wiley and I both went to the same cooking school. So I'm assuming he probably made it when he was learning pat the shoes and making Parisian yoki. And I remember I have the same feelings about it as Wiley did uh, back in the day with my new chef. I made a uh, yoki. Uh, yeah. I made Parisian yoki out of instant ramen. Um, nice. And it's the same thing. It's, it's, it's one of those things when you make, you're like, Oh, that's super cool. Because it's the last thing you expect is this patissu that you might have as a, a, as a gruyere or, or a clare or something like that can actually be boiled and then pan fried. And it has a better texture than I think than, say, spetzel, which is very similar in, in some regard. And honestly, as much as I love making potato gnocchi, you get more consistency in terms of, you know, the texture. Clearly, I, I most prefer Parisian gnocchi more. Because it's more versatile, it's not as delicate, but still delicate if you make it right. Because it can still melt in your mouth. I love it, and it's something that I don't make nearly enough. Um, and it's fun to make, and kids can enjoy making it. It tells you a lot about cooking and technique, at least from the French tradition. There's tempering. There's a lot of important culinary steps that if you master, you, you have a pretty good understanding of how to do a lot of different things. And um, so it's simple, and yet deceivingly complex and I, so i love it just as much as wiley does so i was very excited that he chose it and yes i was fucking around with another version of it um and it was the worst thing i've ever made in my life <laughs> which is a lot chris saw it. It, it it was so bad i was so bad i don't know what it was happened. the kind of thing where if, if you saw it you were and, and you, were, you were like if that came out of you then you should go to the doctor right now <laughs> just, that's not that's not a good scene well, maybe this yeah, is the way you wean him off the mac and cheese, Dave. That's why he was doing it. That's, isn't the, wasn't this part you know? of that campaign? This was like an alternative to this part of Dave's tour across America. Let's let's kick the box mac and cheese habit, America. Honestly, I, I, I have no idea why. Maybe I took, you know, a 20 milligram edible and I just was like, <laughs> you know what I haven't made in a while? Is um Parisian Yogi. Wiley, is is the Ah oh, man, people always give us crap for this phrase, but is like the sort of platonic ideals, the thing you're chasing with a Parisian gnocchi, the same texture and, and outcome that you're chasing with a traditional potato gnocchi? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, I think, as Dave mentioned, like a proper Parisian gnocchi can be very soft and very light. Um, but what I think a Parisian gnocchi lends itself to getting like nice and crispy on the outside in a way that a traditional gnocchi may not. I mean, you, you, I, I feel like, and I'm not a, I'm not a traditional potato based gnocchi expert. Um, but I feel like the best versions just barely hold their shape. And so they don't, they're nice when they don't, you know, when you get them to the point where you can saute them in a pan, they tend to be a little bouncy. Um, and get them crispy. Whereas with Parisian, you can, they can still be very light and ethereal, but they can they can hold up to a little browning in the pan. I mean, I think you know, like clarified butter would be my my choice for for browning mm -hmm. them and crisping them up. And it does have like a very you do you hold on hold on Wiley you 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 like clarified, not regular full milk solid because I love that Bernoisette flavor. Yeah, you, I think you got to be careful. They can stick. You've got to get your Bernoisette right. Um, I like to do clarified butter and then reintroduce the milk solids or the brown butter solids back in later because um, then also you have the opportunity for the solids to add texture and crunch. Um, 
And we just oh. lost everybody listening to this podcast. <laughs> no, no, it didn't. What I, what I really just saw Which there. is, in fact, what I did with this particular <laughs> challenge was I reintroduced I, the brown butter later. But the, 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 the thing I just saw that I don't know, assuming you're, you're listening or watching this, this podcast on Spotify, you may get to rewind and see this too. There is a very distinct thing that people who have been around David Chang for a long time will recognize, which was he thought he got you. He thought he was like, no, no, I got him. No, I thought it was a smart. It was no, smart. no, no. But then he was like, because you were like, wait, smart. you don't like the milk salts? And then Wiley no, no, was no, like, no, 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 And I remember whole butter and I remember Wiley thinking that saying that he liked to make things with whole butter because of the milk salads because it adds flavor. I always have felt that way. So it's the first time in all my time knowing Wiley, which I haven't seen him in some time, but for almost 20 years, he's been a whole butter man. So this is the first time no, I've no. ever heard him use clarified that's butter. What I, no, so that's, that's what, what I was, I was saying. Like, oh. I was saying you saw – you were like, wait, 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 wait. He said clarified butter. I caught him in some kind of weird thing here. And then Wiley said, no, no, no. Don't worry, Chang. I'm still the Wiley you know. And then you said, oh, I, okay, okay. I like – I mean I think if I – if you know, to not get too far off track though, Dave, but for like – piece of fish chicken thighs steak i would any i reach for clarified butter as my go-to um for for searing you know most things because of the flavor you know after that i would i would go to corn oil because of the smoke point but but i mean clarified is is definitely uh what i reach for when like crisping searing and creating a crust and that also i got from JG too. I mean, clarified butter, you know, was, was a staple around the shop. I mean, at WD, we used to clarify 50 pound blocks of whole butter once a week, just so we had clarified butter to sort of sear everything in. But as you noted, rightfully so, I am a fan of all parts of the butter. And if you don't work in a French kitchen, like I don't, I don't know, would you say that people use as much clarified butter with exception say Danielle Boulud's kitchens, but we used to make so much, clarified butter it was insane <laughs> how much butter went yeah. into everything yeah i mean clarifying a 50 pound block of butter is no joke you know <laughs> can, what I, mean? can i ask That's you no as joke. a as a as one of those people dave just said who never worked in a french kitchen does the 50 pound block of butter come literally in one big 50 pound block yeah like and then you got to cut it up to fit into a pot that holds 50 pounds of butter. Oh my God. Once it's melted. And then and when you're, when you're, and then you have to decant it even that that's the real hard part is getting, you've got to skim all the fat off the top, the clear, the ghee, whatever you want to call it off. The and then top. what do you, and then what's happening with all those milk solids? They're just going away. Uh, you can save them for other things. You can use them for other things. You can then brown them and strain them. You know, the water is the part that's not really all that additive to the process you've got to remove the water the water is not bringing anything to the party in butter other than you need something it's an emul- butter is an emulsion so you need some you know you need oil and water to have an emulsion but we're getting off track so. yeah it's a shit job <laughs> clarifying butter basically uh well <clears throat> so <laughs> getting us back on track we started talking about parisian gnocchi Oh, I, I'm sorry. I, I had a theory, and I did talk about this in the video, and maybe Wiley. This is on topic. I, 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 without doing any research at all, not a surprise here. I theorized that uh, it probably was uh, introduced by Catherine de Medici in the 1500s when she had to marry that son of a bitch, Henry II. And do you have a personal, you have a you, personal problem with Henry II? <laughs> Yeah, he's not my favorite Henry. I, I I like the other Henrys. He's the least favorite it's of Henry. my Henrys. The French Henry, the Henry, 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 Henry the fourth, Henry Golden, yeah. Henry Cavill, yeah. and Henry the second. Oh, Henry, another chocolate candy bar I don't like. But you know, she introduced a lot of the things. Uh, oh, shit. <laughs> she she introduced a lot of Italian food, and it, it you know she really helped modernize a lot of things. So it maybe it's possible she introduced gnocchi to the court chef who turned that into gnocchi via pasta shoes. So I don't know, but that I can theorize and I bet you I'm probably right. Uh, I'm editing the uh, <clears throat> Wikipedia as we speak. 
to reflect this new information. So I think it actually would work for me to edit it and then cite Recipe Club. Hundred percent, that would fly. That would get by everything. We could say anything here. We could legitimately cite it later. Uh, okay, hey, I'll I'll give my Wikipedia donation if you do well, that. Because bechamel came from De, uh, Catherine de Medici, right? So yeah. Anyway, they have yeah, and they have some of the same letters, so that yeah. seems like a fair, fair argument. <laughs> and they're right next to, and they're right next to each other, <laughs> geographically speaking. We know, Ka- and they're both, and they're both white. People. We know Catherine de Medici was in Paris uh, <laughs> during the Great Potato uh, Shortage of seventeen twelve. Uh, Wiley, it's your recipe. Would you mind talking us through the original version of how you make <laughs> your your Parisian gnocchi? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty straightforward in terms of following, you know, pre-existing technique. You take your, your, um, your water or your milk, um, and your butter and you bring that up, uh, and then you dump your flour in and you, you cook that over the heat, uh, till it forms a mass in a dough. And, um, if you take it, if you if you take that whole thing to 170 degrees Fahrenheit, then you know that you've completely cooked out all the starch, um, which is the important part of of making a a, a good, successful, proper, non gummy uh, uh, Parisian gnocchi is knowing that your flour is fully cooked. So for me, I'm cooking and cooking it, and a lot of directions say when it starts to pull away from the pan, you start to see that sort of like ghost-like coating on the pan, but but those are slightly uh, unsatisfying, you know, metrics for, for cooking. And so if you do take the mass to a temperature of 170, then you know that you've fully cooked the flour. Um, and then at that point, put it in a, in a mixer and you paddle it to little, to lower the temperature a bit, because you're then going to add egg yolks to it. You don't want to shock the yolks. Um, so you, you, you paddle it in a, in a KitchenAid or something of that uh, in a stand mixer to let a little heat out. Um, and then you one by one, you, you beat in your yolks. Um, you know, you, you beat them, incorporate them thoroughly. As Dave mentioned earlier, this is like critical technique and learning how to temper things and incorporate things. You, you get all those eggs in there. Uh, and then at the very end, you dump your cheese in there, paddle it a bit more, uh, put it into a pastry bag. And then there, are, I think, are a couple of different options of how you deposit it into, into boiling water. Um, I think, you know, Dave and I probably were both taught in a pastry bag, you take a, either an offset spatula or a knife and you kind of hold the bag horizontally and you sort of snip, snip the, the gnocchi into the water. But that is a tedious and I think uh, inefficient way of doing it. So I use uh, I take some fishing line and stretch it across a pot, uh, and you can use that to very, very quickly snip the, the the dough as it's coming out of the pastry bag directly into the water, skim it out, and from there, as we've discussed, saute it in some sort of fat. Uh, I have a very mm, deep, geeky question on this. What is your preferred implement when you are stirring your your shoe pastry in the in the pot? Are you a rubber spatula man or a wooden spoon man? Uh, I actually use um, high temperature uh, Matt Fair spoons. It's a French company. They make they they, they look like a, a flat spoon. Um, it, it doesn't have the, the the curve of a regular spoon, so it just looks like a, a, a spoon that's been flattened. And they have different sizes. Um, they're high temp. Uh, really stiff. You need something stiff. I don't like a whisk because it gets stuck in the whisk. I don't like a spatula because the spatula ends up getting kind of bent. So I use something stiff. A wooden, a wooden spoon, anything like that w- would would be fine. But it's a French technique, so I use a French spoon. I uh, I knew deep down that no matter how niche and specific I thought the question would be, Wiley would have an even more niche, even more specific answer to the question. Man, that's why it's so good having you on the show. Well, I, I think it's important to not – I mean, it's one of the things we talk about again. Dave knows this well. You don't want to put metal – in a pot. You don't want to use a metal spoon or a metal whisk if you don't, I mean, a metal whisk is slightly different, but like a, something like this, you're pretty aggressive, you're scraping a lot. And so I don't like to use metal for that because that, I don't like scratching metal spoons and metal pots or roasting pans, stirring bones or any of that with metal. So I like, I like these high temperature 
plastics. Uh, and so I, I think that like this, this dish is very like festive. I know. I mean, you know, you said it is, it is easier and less uh, finicky than doing a potato gnocchi, but it's labor intensive. It's like, you've got to stand over there and you've got to slice all, you know, hundreds of these for a, a big holiday portion. And like, I think that's what, you know, these holiday dishes really are about is like deliciousness, but also some kind of like visible, impressive effort that I have put into this. And I think there's like, this has that in spades that you're, you know. Yeah. And you can do it well in advance too. The nice thing about these guys is that if you are going to, you know, dig dig deep and and do all the thing you know the the garnishes the sides the the proteins the this the that this one you can make you know two three four days ahead and when it you know they don't have to be brown till the very last okay last so you can take you can take it all the way to the par cooking stage and then just sort of what well, you would just spread them out on uh lubricate them and refrigerate them or what would you do to sort of hold it for those few days yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, I, I I wasn't using the word lubricate, the term, but that's not I forgot the word oil. Cool, okay, that's not typically a culinary term, as as far as I know. So you, you spread some lube automotive. on these bad boys, then you stick them in the in the in the cold box. For uh, I mean, for for that Wiley, awkward. Automotive for most people, sexual for Chris. <laughs> yes, of course. Thank you. I honestly, I didn't even think about cars. Uh, Next thing you get away, he's going to say secrete. <laughs> It's gross, Chris. Get it your is, hair it is a very secret recipe, right. as the French would say. <clears throat> Lots of secretions here. Uh, okay, so that is the recipe as originally done. Uh, this being Recipe Club, we are never satisfied to do things as originally done. So typically, we take a spin on a little thing. Wiley, you haven't seen this yet. We got this this wheel. We spin this wheel, and it has all these restrictions on it that we get assigned, like under 20 minutes or microwave only or keto or whatever it is. And that's how we, we get our restrictions. But this being a special episode, we decided to take Parisian gnocchi and uh, push it in some different geographic directions. We asked Wiley to take his own Parisian gnocchi recipe and turn it into more of a New York recipe by making it pizza. <laughs> So that was Wiley's direction was to turn his Parisian yoki into pizza, which, God, I have been so excited for weeks to find out about. Uh, we made Dave take his to Tokyo, I believe. He, he took his, his Parisian yoki to Japan, and I took my Parisian yoki to Beijing uh, for a third variation on this. Um, Knowing what I know about Dave's version and knowing... At least you're not profiling, Chris. That's <laughs> nice. Notice how I carefully picked countries that Dave and I feel comfortable profiling. <laughs> uh, knowing what I know about how, how we each did this, I actually think that I'll go first because uh, I've got the closest to the original version of this and then we will go further afield from there. Um, so for starters, I texted Wiley the other day to be like i'm looking at your recipe wiley and it is 300 grams of bread flour 450 grams of milk 100 grams of butter nine grams of salt 300 grams of egg and 300 grams of parmesan i'm like cool 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 i'm sort of getting my mise en place together and i was i just start i start grating some parmesan and i was thinking as i as i not until the moment i'm grating this parmesan am i thinking oh my god 300 grams of Parmesan is going to take so long. That's an equal amount of Parmesan to bread flour. And, and in to be totally upfront and honest with you, I turned to Gabby and I was like, Gabby, did you transcribe this incorrectly? <laughs> is this supposed to be 30 grams of Parmesan? She was like, no, it's 300 grams. So I texted Wiley and I was like, equal parts cheese and flour. And, he, and, and Wiley was like, ah, I mean, you could do 150, but you know, <laughs> I, 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 believe, I believe I said 300 was more of an advanced yes. move. And if, if you wanted to cut it in half, to, at to, which point to I accused Wiley of having a sponsorship from the Italian DOP, which required him to involve 300 grams of Parmesan and everything. It's, I assumed you were using the, the green craft tube, Chris, when you when you were reaching for Parmesan. So I did not use the green craft tube, although it was there. And out of respect for you, I didn't. I uh, I grated all the Parmesan in our kitchen, um, which was like 170 grams. <laughs> like it was, it was all I had in the kitchen. Uh, and 
I, I made the shoe pastry uh, exactly as, as you described. I put in all the cheese I had um, and put it into a Ziploc bag, but not a real Ziploc bag, <laughs> like a low-budget knockoff Ziploc bag, <laughs> which did not have strong enough seams because we didn't have a pastry bag in the kitchen, didn't have strong enough seams to 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 withstand the strength of my hand as I squeezed this bag and tried to get the dough to come out. So I popped a couple bags. I found the smaller quart size bag was was more appropriate here. I also, in the process of of doing this, and I did use a paring knife to sort of to to slice these into the water, I did eat a tremendous amount of dough. <laughs> Just like I wonder what this tastes like. Hmm, pretty good. And as it was all over my hands, and I know I'm a monster, but the fact that this dough tasted as good as it did just at that basically raw stage, I was like, this is going to be outrageously good. So I did, I did the whole batch in, 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 in basically, you know, 90 seconds worth of, of gnocchi at a time. Uh, I made them extra small for a reason I will get to in a second. Um, I, I do. I do want to say that weak hands, <laughs> big hands. I, I wanted. To, I wanted to say <clears throat> this thing though about this process of you know figuring out the right bag, the right the right sort of grip, the right sort of rhythm, the right side of the knife to do this. All of the kind of like little minutia of of digging into this repetitive task that took me you know twenty minutes or whatever to do. I had like a very visceral flashback to many, many years ago during my, you know, uh, stints in professional kitchens where I was like, man, this is, I, this, I, I forgot this feeling of getting good at one specific little task and like how rewarding it is. Like there's nobody that cares. Nobody cares if I'm like, actually, if you hold the bag this way, uh, it's going to be come out more consistently and not like hurt your hand as you're holding the bag. Like it doesn't matter to anybody, but it just like, it feels good to like, figure out a process like that. And I'm not, I'm not good at it by any means. And I, I shouldn't be like, I'm not trying to like boast about it, but I just, I, I recognized in that moment, something I hadn't felt for a long time, which is like, you get better and you identify the minutia that makes something worth doing. So, so Chris, you're saying your technique is better than what Wiley had. That's okay. <laughs> Absolutely not what I was saying. And I knew you were gearing up to, to poop on my but, but, but Chris, I don't know if you missed this. There was a 15 second, Shaking his head bit from Wiley. Where, where, where did you disagree with uh, Monsoor Ying here? Uh, I, I, I don't think I would have reached for a Ziploc. I, I think <laughs> I that, know. That, I know this is where it was. That, uh, that it would have occurred to me that there, the seams of a Ziploc don't aren't aren't able to withstand the proper. I mean, I also put mine in a pastry bag, but I put it. I put it a very large tip in the end of the pastry bag because that even makes it, the cutting cleaner and more even. But uh, I, I was not trained by the same people as Chris, so perhaps, <laughs> perhaps I should. I, I did not re listen. Revisit my culinary I training. Did, oh my god! I, did I at any point did I say? Actually, I have found that a ziploc, a shitty ziploc bag, is far superior to Wiley's pastry bag. Anyway, that's not what I'm saying. Why don't you have any pastry bags at home, Chris? Do I need to send you a box? I was at our studio and we did not have a pastry bag. I made the recipe as as directed because I, I wanted to, to my my variation in a different way, and I also wanted to frankly just taste these uh, as they as they as directed. So there is actually interestingly uh, a dish, a Beijing Chinese dish called Guda, which is basically translates as flower balls, and it's a northern Chinese dish where you have sort of more of these like flour based uh, pastas and noodles and things like that, and. Uh, it is when I when I look at Parisian yoki and I look at uh, like a big bowl of them, I, I do sort of imagine this this same kind of shape. The the guda are like really small. They're like marble sized little flower balls that generally come in soup, um, you know, with like tomatoes and and uh, shiitake mushroom and sort of just like a, a super umami chickeny kind of thickened broth. Um, and I've also had them at a restaurant in. San Francisco called Beijing restaurant where they do these flower balls, like as a stir fry with, you know, whatever it's, it's the typical Chinese restaurant where you can like have them stir fried in 54 different ways. But this is the first thing that came to mind where, where, where these little 
flower ball dumplings that you would get in 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 Beijing. So that's where I took this thing. So basically, I I par cooked all of them. I put them on a sheet tray. I lubed them up real nice. <laughs> Set them aside there. Gross. <laughs> and then I <laughs> I basically just did a stir fry like I've done 400 million times I learned from my parents you know like I marinated chicken in in cornstarch and oyster sauce and lots of white pepper and oyster and, and soy sauce uh stir fried that set it aside then did zucchini and shiitake mushroom and uh, a little tomato reincorporated uh put that aside too then I browned all of the little flour balls um in in a big flat bottom wok then mix it all together and then just did sort of my, you know, whatever white pepper heavy sauce with oyster sauce and, and a little sugar and Shaoxing wine and a uh, cornstarch slurry. And you had like a nice little gravy over it basically. And, uh, fed it to our staff for staff meal the other day. It was very delicious. <laughs> First of all, like the, the problem I've always had with the original version of, of, uh, the Chinese version of it is that um, the little flower balls aren't that flavorful. <laughs> they're just, they're called flower balls and they just taste like flour. Obviously the, the Parisian yoki that Wiley gave us are incredibly delicious, incredibly savory. Um, I, I, I enjoyed this dish a great deal and it came out like super festive and I was legitimately like, I'm just going to cop this for, for my holiday. So that was my Beijing gnocchi. That's how I did. How did you, how did you shape the balls? I was, I was squeezing them. I I snipped off the end of the, of the, of the Ziploc bag and I was just slicing them into little, little nuggets, little baby. So not really balls. They were just deformed. (laughs) They were like little baby, baby gnocchi. They're like little nuggets. They look pretty actually. I'm going to stand by my little baby nuggets. They were, they were cute. So, did you use the scissors to snip the dough into the water or did you use a knife? I used the, the, the back end of a, a paring knife and I was getting like a little, um, a little friction from tapping it on the side of the, of the pot that would shake off the gnocchi as it went. So there's a little tap, tap, tap action happening throughout. Uh, so that's my sounds delicious. Yeah, it was very, it was really, it was really, really good. I know this show is like largely competitive, but like it was, it was a really delicious dish. Sounds confusing. I'm not this confusion. <laughs> accusation. So that was my that was my uh, Parisian Beijing gnocchi. Uh, I think we should save Wiley's pizza for last. And I think Dave, you should talk about the Tokyo gnocchi. Um, Corey Lee is going to put this version of the menu on Benny. The flower balls. You'll see it. And when it does, everyone's going to know that this was the genesis of this new dish at Benny Restaurant. Congratulations, Lubri- Chris. L- lubricated flour balls. Yeah. <laughs> Make it extra lubed. Extra slippy. Make it slippy. Um. I don't know why I wanted to make mine with rice. I was screwing around with rice flour uh, a couple months, like a month ago, and this it turned out to be horrible. I made a proper pate choux with rice flour and it was a disaster. Also because I forgot to temper it properly and I haven't done anything like this in a long time. So it was, it was horrible. Also, I didn't have a uh, piping bag. And I would suggest that if you do make Parisian gnocchi, you need to make it with a proper pastry bag with a tip because it's not going to work otherwise. Uh, and I tried to make a tip with uh, a rigatoni. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not true. We, were, we, were, we were in the kitchen together, and he's like, God, I need a pastry tip. And I jokingly was like, hmm? I pointed at like a box of rigatoni, and he was like, yes. Yes, let's do that. The real, the real issue is uh, not a surprise here. Uh, rice flour has different uh, absorption rates uh, <laughs> of water and, and milk. And the whole thing was a horrible disaster. It was so bad. Uh, but, you know, when I make a recipe, you got to screw it up to some degree just to understand the parts. That's just how I learn. Um, and it was so bad. I was really mortified at what, what happened. It looked like just literally when i say the worst thing in recent memory at least but one of the worst things i've ever made because nothing about it 
was re- redeeming at all. And I said, I was like, oh, I'm never going to do that again. Sure enough, we get the recipe and it's Prisignoki. And I laughed my ass off because I was like, oh, I was just screwing around with this. I'm not going to do it. I thought about doing it another way, but I chose to make it Japanese because I wanted to go back and try it again. And this time, learn from my mistakes. And I made it, uh, I made this before Chris's. So I think maybe my dish inspired his flower ball dish. <laughs> no, so I think it's important I mean, to note. Sure, you can. Sure, you can note that. Can I ask you really quick? Were you using? I think the rigatoni probably inspired the, his, his use of the Ziploc bag. Too. Yeah, that too, like that one, too. One sound decision begets another. <laughs> yeah. Well, then I thought like they should make a pastry tip shaped pasta. Uh, what um were you using regular rice flour or were you using glutinous rice flour? What were you you, you working with there? I, I I didn't use I didn't use mochiko um, you know sweet rice flour. I, the only rice flour we had was um, Thai rice flour. Uh, no, it was Vietnamese. Excuse me. Um, <clears throat> so I couldn't tell if it was glutinous or or medium or long grain. Um, and it, I don't. Again, like I haven't worked enough with it to know the the, the properties of it. But what the thing that I made sure I was going to differently was to change the, the, the moisture content on this. Right. So, um, I, I followed the recipe. I knew I wasn't going to use Parmesan too, because I didn't want to introduce that until later. And there was going to be other ways. So the reason why I, you'd add Parmesan, it adds salt and it has umami to me. That's like ultimately what I would get from, you know, the most distilled way of why you'd add Parmesan. So I had a little MSG. Again, like knowing that this was going to be a complete deviation from Wiley's recipe to some degree for a reason I'll get to in a second. I wanted to have this more flavorful environment. And I did that with uh, a reduction of dashi that I then mounted and I turned that into Bermonte. Right. So I wanted to do this as a version from Japan on Yoshoku cuisine. So, um, that to me is one of the most interesting ways of Jap- cooking Japanese. And it's something that happened in the Meiji Restoration when the emperor wanted to uh, advance its culture by adopting all things Western. And one of the things that happened was the introduction of a lot of Western cooking techniques that may never have happened otherwise. So you get things like doria and curry rice and all these other things that are delicious. Um, and that's what I kept on thinking is if I was a chef in Japan trying to Westernize certain things – Prisignoki might be one of them. How would I turn that into a dish that's, uh, you know, flavored like in a Yoshoku style, the Western style? And yes, there's wheat there in in Japan, but I I wanted to make it with rice flour. So that's what I did and really followed the recipe. Didn't add the Parmesan until later, but I added other elements that had umami in both the sauce and um, in the flour itself. And uh, I use less eggs. I only use four eggs because I was trying to make this as uh, almost dry as possible, right? Uh, because there's no gluten. There's no way to like get that elasticity. There's just – it's a completely different product. But I knew I could – having made some versions of dok or mochi before, I knew that I was just trying to get uh, a feel, right? So uh, – I have no idea actually how much liquid I wound up adding because I was just going for that feel where it's dense enough, where it's almost like a like you're making a pie crust to some degree when you're forming it together. That's how sort of the texture that I had, but it was a little bit more wet than that. And there was no way with that texture that I had that I was going to be able to extrude it. It just was not going to happen. So I actually rolled it out like gnocchi, mm-hmm. like potato gnocchi. And and then, you know, cut them with a, a bench scraper um, in the vein that I learned from Marco Canora that I feel like most modern day gnocchi recipes are Marco's recipe anyway, which is about adding as little wheat flour as possible and keeping it almost all potato. Um, and I was really worried it was going to be super dense. That was my big concern. There is a couple weaknesses to this dish that I'll get to in a second as well. But the, the, the real um, holy fuck moment for me was I may never make this gnocchi ever again, but I'm definitely going to make the butter sauce again because I've never made that before. And that's why I like doing things like this before, because if you don't do the process, if you don't do something that you've never thought, it may open up doorways to another 
thing that you weren't anticipating. And if Wiley didn't have Parmesan, I would not have thought about making an umami rich environment. Right. So I'm understanding for me, the most important thing, the Parmesan is the flavor, but also the umaminess of it all. So I would not have tried to make an umami thing at all. And I would not have reduced Stashi to almost like a syrup and then mounted it with, with butter. And I got mad at myself. Cause like, how come I've never made this before? I've never made this before. Hmm. Wiley, have you ever seen that before? Have you done that before? Yeah, we used to, um, make a dashi bermonte and then bag uh, hamachi in it and then cook cook them sous vide um, at WD. It's super, super, super delicious. It's great. Um, so good. And yeah. I, I was shocked that I never made that. I mean, I was, I was actually really mad. I was like, wow, this is extremely delicious and has so many applications. And what I loved about the sauce is that you would not know that it was Japanese. You wouldn't, you know, you know, it's butter, a butter sauce for the most part, but you couldn't pinpoint the flavor other than it was delicious. And that's in my wheelhouse. That's what I love the most. It's just absolutely delicious. Who cares where it's from, but it's based on real proper technique. So I was like, this is something that I was again, mad that I've never done and would never come across my, my brain unless I was making this recipe in the style of Yoshoku. Yeah. There's something Um, crazy. There's something crazy good when soy sauce and butter come together. You know, it's, it's really delicious. I mean, that's like, for me, those are the two things when I think of like sauteing mushrooms and stuff like Mm -hmm. that, finishing them both. Well, you start with butter and a mushroom, but you can also end with butter, but soy sauce and butter have this just unbelievable affinity for each other in a way that, that, like you said, it's like, it's these layers of flavors that, that don't immediately seem like they, 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 they may, may work, but they're fun happy discoveries. And the, I love the idea of the dashi too, like the, you know, the smoke and, and all that. I think, I think that's, was super clever. Yeah. And it was, it was, uh, it had, it didn't taste fishy. It didn't taste like soy. I didn't add soy to it at all. It was just extremely balanced and round. I added a little lemon juice, not to taste the lemon, but just to bring it together. So it wasn't just sort of a, a note of like fat, but that sauce was the star of the show by far and away. Um, but that doesn't mean the gnocchi was bad at all. It was actually extremely delicious. And uh, my fear of it being too dense was wrong. It was extremely light and fluffy. Um, no wheat was used. I thought about using bread flour just to as a backup if it didn't work. But it actually formed quite well. And when I did a tester and I, and I boiled them, I was really shocked at the flavor of it and the lightness of it all. Um, and then, again, like I, I just – I browned them in a, in a lot of butter, a whole butter. And I just served it in that sauce and garnished with Parmesan as well. But honestly, I didn't even need Parmesan because the sauce was so um, rich in and of itself. Uh, and that was it. The one issue with this recipe, if you're going to do it with rice flour, um, if it gets cold, like most foods, it goes bad, like not as delicious. This goes real bad, real fast. Uh, you cannot eat this. Rice has amazing properties when when heated, right? When it's warm or hot. When it's cold, if you ever had cold rice, it's not always delicious. It just turns bad. It's just not good, quite frankly. Same thing happens here. It, I would say it has an eight to 10 minute shelf life in a bowl. And if it's not consumed immediately, it's going to taste really dense and really terrible. So that was the that's what I learned is you have to eat this piping hot. And when piping hot, very delicious. And I was extremely happy with this recipe. And I did feel that it was like Yoshoku style. And I think it would work with any kind of rice flour. And most importantly, you could do, definitely do this gluten-free, no problem. And a lot of the gluten-free alternatives, all this cup-to-cup bullshit, it's basically rice flour anyway. Uh, that's cool. So it is yeah. gluten free, right? There's nothing about it. It isn't gluten free, right? Yeah, it's gluten free. It's totally gluten free. Yeah. Uh, it if I was going to do this, yeah, if I was going to do this, I keep this in a warm chafing dish or a or like a hot casserole dish, and and that's what I would do. Sorry, or serve them in a, a, a broth. A broth would give you some length too. Serving them in a broth. Absolutely. Um, but I, you know, I thought when you said Tokyo, I was thought you were going. I thought, oh, that's smart. He's going to make mochi. 
you know, but, but you didn't. I, I, so I sort of thought as soon as at the beginning when Chris, you know, Chris said that, I thought, oh, Chang's going to, if he's going to Tokyo, he's going to make mochi. But I like, I like what you did. I mean, I think there, there could have been some fun with some Bonito flakes on the top too, or I think, I mean, they, they, it pains me to say it, Chris, but both of them sound delicious. <laughs> <laughs> we just... But the thing is, Wiley, it did wind up looking like yaki mochi, right? So, right. Um, right. it, it really looked like extru- like real uh, mochi that's – a Korean dok too is shaped in a t- tube. It looked like that cut up and roasted. Yeah. So I was really pleased with the results. It was, it was um, one, of the, one of the few times where disaster turned into something excellent. It was interesting. So that sounds happened. good. Would make a great nabe too. You could do it mm-hmm. as a nabe or something like that. It Absolutely. It would have been, been really good. And actually, it, yeah. it had the um, – I tasted, I tasted some, and David, it kind of had that same. When you pan fried them, it had the like exterior of a duck, but like was light inside. You almost like you know, you bit the outside, and you that, almost expected to have a chew after the crunch, but it was just the crunch and then lightness, which was really interesting. And that was the sh- that was the shocking thing. I thought it would have the bite of mochi, but it actually tasted the texture was like Parisian yoki. I was maybe it's the egg yolks. I I don't know. Uh. Okay, so that's two, two down. Everyone's been happy to hear that it hasn't been shot in Freude Club today so far. But uh, let's see what happens when Wiley takes his own recipe and makes it pizza. What'd you do, Wiley? Um, well, I was, you know, I made I made the gnocchi as we as we discussed. Dave, how did you? I, I'm curious. You deposit yours in the water with a, a knife. Did or you secrete I, them? You, uh, you you strike. You strike me as a guy that would like the twine technique, but I do. I, I've seen the twine technique before, and that's probably the smartest way to do it, the most efficient way to do it, the fastest way to do it as well, and I think the most uniform way. Because sometimes, if you don't have the right pressure on when you're pushing it through, it can get a little bit. You know, I'm sure like how Chris has looked. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of like the two hands, like rub your belly yeah. and pat your head. You know, there's, there's yeah. that. At some point, you kind of get a little. That's why I like I like the twine. I use actually I use fishing line, Dave, in your honor. I use Dacron thirty pound test. But. Oh, now thirty pound going for those big fish. <laughs> well, you got to pull it taut across the pan, you know. <laughs> but that's I think for me that's the that's that's the way to do it. But but anyway, so when it came when it came time to imagine a pizza, I figured Chris that you had thrown me that curveball because you wanted me to put it on a pizza. Oh no um, no no no! I have I have long since uh, tr- tried to manipulate you into doing specific things. I know you will do something smarter. So no, I had no intention of that. Yeah, so I I I immediately knew that that was your intention. <laughs> so I did I did not do that. As as we've seen, you know, things like rigatoni on pizza, and that I think is probably safe to say a bridge too far. Um, <laughs> but. I have long wondered if you could take, you know, rather than, you know, cut it into little bits and pieces, if you had, say, uh, like a turntable, like a pastry turntable, David, you know what I'm talking about. If you could make a giant ring of it, like the way they coil sausage and then pick it up and poach it in its entirety um, and have a and then and then saute that and flip it and brown that and have just a big like coil of gnocchi um which i thought would be super cool and then i could build on the top of it like a pizza but that's not what i did um i thought i thought about it for a long time and that that was what what i what i one idea i had but what i instead what i did was i imagined the flavors of pizza uh finding their way in into gnocchi into the gnocchi so I put uh, powdered garlic, tomato powder, and a bunch of Italian seasoning, uh, dried Italian seasoning, into the dough, into the shoe shoe dough. Uh, made made the the gnocchi as we've all described, browned them, um, and then separately I took our 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 house the the stretch pizza pizza sauce, um, which is is pretty simple. It's canned tomatoes, uh, it's garlic, uh, soy sauce, and oregano. And olive oil, um, but it's raw. But I just warmed it slightly. Put that in a bowl. I put the, I put the seared, uh, the, the crispy, sort of, 
Italian flavored pizza flavored gnocchi in the bowl. Then I finished it with some, uh, I tossed them in parsley uh, in the pan too. So they were coated nicely with some fresh parsley, put them on top of the sauce, drizzled some, some garlic confit oil on top, some seasoned breadcrumbs that, that are seasoned with brown butter solid. It's panko. We use toasted panko, brown butter solids, uh, lemon zest, um, uh, onion flakes, garlic flakes, all of that mixed together, sprinkled out on top and then finished with some fresh Parmesan on top. So it was like sort of like a bowl of pizza versus, uh, you, you know, an actual pizza. I couldn't I couldn't bring myself to put them on the pizza. I was mildly intrigued by the idea of baking a pizza with gnocchi on it, but I was mostly offended by it. So why, why offended by it? Uh, I, I, I just I don't I don't think that we need that. I'm not sure that we need pasta on top of pizza i'm just not sure I, I i like them both but i don't think that they need to be a single item i bet you it'd be pretty good chris i'm gonna make this uh, when i get back wiley you just said you were intrigued by it but offended by it and if I, i'm gonna say this the space between being intrigued by something and offended by something is being extremely attracted to it <laughs> that's what lies between <laughs> intrigue and offense is extreme attraction like I, that sounds wonderful to me. I mean, I would change the shape. I would make them really skinny, almost like pepperoni, you know, so that would there. Okay. I shouldn't say offended maybe, but I, I, I would, I would end up manipulating them probably in a way where they no longer behave like Parisian gnocchi. Cause I like a, like a good size Parisian gnocchi, like a half cork or something like that. You know, that way you get the textural contrasts and i i just wasn't sure that i'm not sure that putting pasta on pizza allows either of those ingredients to show at their best and i think i would prefer them to both have the opportunity to be highlighted rather than just sort of like yeah this is fine nobody wants to make just this is fine i don't know i think it might be sort of awesome i i, I think that you could maybe <laughs> even sheet it out not even pipe it out Cut cut a circle like a pie shape, twelve inches, fourteen inches, whatever. Sheet the gnocchi, the Parisian gnocchi. Yeah. That's the whole like well now now it's not Parisian gnocchi anymore. <laughs> You're not enjoying it as such. You've made I, first of all, how are you okay. sheeting? Wiley Wiley standing here for the right, for the fine. original authenticity fine. of Parisian gnocchi. Fine. No. Then on. I won't sheet it because I would sheet it somehow. But for you that I will take you'll need a lot of lube to sheet that thing. Well, Thankfully, Chris secretes a lot of loop, so we're good. I would probably do a bunch of gnocchi. Smashing with your hand? Is that the motion you're doing right now? Just like a caveman? So, yeah, but like I would have a, you know, vertical in in a layer, and then I would steam them. And then I would pan fry it in butter, and I'd put the toppings on top and then bake it. I bet you'd be really good. It'd almost be like a, a dense, you know, I don't know what it would be, but I bet you'd be good. I mean, proper Parisian gnocchi bake up greatly, Dave. You know that. I mean, that's that, that, you know, covering it with your bechamel that you mentioned earlier. And now that you say that, I want to, I want to, I want to try your dashi based bechamel because that sounds really good. That sounds really good. I also feel like I also feel like we have basically, if we're talking about not taking this shoe pastry. Uh, manipulating it and then baking it. I think we may have just reverse engineered a profiterole, guys. <laughs> We've just like well, I think what people are hearing is uh, younger versions of Wiley and myself. We'd be at a bar and we'd be talking about this very loudly at two thirty <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> right, Wiley's Wiley's light offense at the idea would be very pronounced. And we'd be yelling, we'd be yelling morning. at each other about the very techniques, and then we'd hug and then go to bed and then repeat the next day. <laughs> <laughs> we'd go get a slice of pizza with pasta on it, and, and then we'd hug and go to bed. <laughs> Just to test it out. Uh, I don't want to gloss over this though. You basically made America's favorite thing, which is like garlic knots with like a. a dipping sauce of marinara on the side is that a backhanded compliment chris you basically just basically just make garlic knots i don't think i think he i think he turned it i think he took the assignment and made something extremely delicious it was it was it was delicious um and i i mean i you know garlic powder can be magic i will say that um it it is a good and underappreciated ingredient uh but I like the idea. I mean again i've made this a lot and rarely do i put much more in the dough besides salt 
You could put, nut, you know, I've put nutmeg in it, although that's never, never my favorite, but that's very traditional to see nutmeg in there. Black pepper, sure, if, if you need that spicy nonsense. Um, but uh, I found the idea of adding other like flip fl powders in there very intriguing. Like, like the tomato powder gave it like, again, as Dave would say, some umami. It wasn't obviously like this punch of tomato, but you're layering it. You know, like, all three of these dishes are successful because they're layers of flavor, you know? And, and I just thought it was, it hadn't really been something I'd spent a lot of time thinking about that you could layer the flavor within the gnocchi itself by, adding any number of, of, of powdered things, you know, you know what I mean? Like, like I, you know, Chris, you can grind up some Cheetos in the next time you make them and fold them into your gnocchi. <laughs> this, this Chris, Chris bashing is the best part of having Wiley on. It's awesome. <laughs> I just like, I was just catching strays over here, man. I was just nodding my head in agreement about how wonderful what Wiley was talking about sounded. And then he just, just threw an. I know you like what, flaming um, hot Cheetos, Chris. Don't lie. <laughs> I actually don't. I, I don't. I don't get down with flaming hot Cheetos. Uh, really quick before we we get off the topic of gnocchi, you said you are also working on like a kachui pepe version that we may or may not see on the menu at Stretch. What are you What are you working on over there with with that? Well, we've come up with a, a heat stable kachui pepe sauce. You can boil it and it doesn't break, so that's kind of fun. Um, so. Uh, gave some last night to Billy Durney, who you guys know is awesome. Um, and it's kind of like a grown up Mac and cheese, you know, when you make this, you, you brown those gnocchi, put them, put them on top of the, that cacio e pepe sauce and, and, and a little bit more parm and some crack, fresh cracked black pepper. And it, it is, it is, uh, like a grown up Mac and cheese, which I think is a lot of fun, but making it coming up with a cacio e pepe sauce that can boil without breaking was, was also something we were excited about. Did you add sodium citrate and some kind of gel and gum, which is that how you did uh, it? There's, there's no gel and gum in there. Um, gel and gum would certainly be a way to do it, Dave. Um, but we used sodium citrate. Yes. To, to, to obviously to make the cheeses talk to each other. Cause there's pecorino and Parmesan in there. Um, but we, uh, we made our own modified starch. We basically took pasta and completely overcooked it and then blended that completely overcooked pasta where the starch is destroyed and blown out and really available and, and blended that with equal parts water. And we have this kind of starch like mud and we take some of that. That's ostensibly modified starch, right? We modified our own starch. Um, and we added that and that modified starch is actually sort of a blanket and insulates the whole, the whole thing, which keeps that cheese sauce, uh, sort of insulated so that it can, it can be boiled and not, and not split. Um, yeah. And it, it's actually quite tasty. And we use that modified starch in a lot of stuff in the restaurant because it's an easy way to, to give structure and stability to sauces hmm. without having to get too deep down the chemical rabbit hole. I, I, what I love, Chris, it's uh, sodium citrate, obviously. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, you sodium citrate? Uh, yeah, duh. <laughs> I mean, come on, Dave. It's in that I box of I, I Listen, I'm, I'm laughing because this is not an audience that probably knows. Maybe a handful of people, but that's, that's just what I, I miss talking to you because no one else knows any of this shit. <laughs> I didn't put any I was going to put some sodium hexametaphosphate but I couldn't wow. find it <laughs> well that's but that's what you do to make American cheese Wiley's favorite cheese in the world that's yeah that's my I mean come on Dave like again it, it, there's so much you can do with citrate to make that mac and cheese to to wean the mac and cheese another way, you know? I mean, clearly, Chris Yang, if he's going to try to make it, would forget the sodium hexaphosphate. You just need the citrate. <laughs> or you know what, Chris? Just, just, just use some white wine from the Swiss Alps. It's loaded with phosphates, uh, and it'll do that for you. You don't even have to go down and ask your dealer from sodium citrate. I would see that ingredient on the list and think it was a spell I had to cast. I would just point a <laughs> wand at the pot, pot and be like, sodium hexametaphosphate. <laughs> Wiley, my God, what an insane pleasure it is to have you as always to, to get to 
use your recipes to hear your your thought process and all this to hear you pronounce rest uh, ingredients that are spells man it's always amazing to have you uh for all you recipe club super fans don't forget to check out our major domo youtube page where we are posting some video of all the cooking from this season i think we're gonna see some of wiley and dave's and my little gnocchi from this episode and you can also see it on your LG TVs if you tune over to Major Demo TV. Uh, keep on sending us your recipes. I think there's a few more episodes for this season. Uh, there's going to be a few special episodes coming up. We've got Wiley here. I think we've got Dave Arnold coming up in another episode, too. Nice. Uh, and a few more fun surprises before we round off the season. And if you are in New York, stretch. You've got to go to Stretch. What's the location, Wiley? Stretch Pizza. We are on Park Avenue South between 23 and 24 on the east side of the street. Uh, anything other? Anything else you want to shout out, Wiley, while you've got you? Anything you want the, the people to come and participate in? No. I mean, we would love to see any and all at Stretch. We're su- super excited. Uh, like I said, we're now open lunch and dinner seven days. Got some, we just got our outdoor dining set up as well. So we've, we've, we've got the whole thing. And, you know, it's always fun to be here, guys. I miss you both. I don't get to see that much of either of you. So a real treat. Man, we missed the hell out of you. We'll see you soon. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to everybody for listening. Please give us five stars, however you rate podcasts, do all the good stuff. And we'll talk to you soon. 